Philip James, welcome to the Stuart Matheson Meets podcast. Good to speak to you today. Uh, a few things I'm kind of interested to hear about, uh, you know, with the sales coaching, the traveling, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah, lovely to be here. Thanks, man. Uh, it's been a while and I, I look forward to having a conversation with you. So appreciate the opportunity to do this. Certainly. So... You've been to Greece and Turkey recently, um, and you're in Italy as of today. So tell me about what the last, say, six months of your life has looked like with the traveling, uh, with the business, all that sort of stuff, because it's a very different life to, to most. Yeah, so the last six months, uh, I left the UK actually in November, it's six months to the day on the 1st of May. Right. And I've travelled through France, Germany, uh, the top of Italy. I went down through Croatia and Montenegro and Albania into Greece, which was lovely. So I got to spend, obviously, like Christmas, obviously, on the beach abroad, which was very different to, like, your normal mm-hmm. kind of family and roast yeah. dinner. Um, obviously, I live in a van, which is very different. Uh, I've got my bed at the back there. I travel with my dog, Daisy. I've got like a little kitchen and seating area, as you can see. And then, yeah, went over to Turkey, which was amazing. Um, so much history to go see and stuff, which I really enjoy. And then, yeah, back to Greece and now in Italy. So that's that's the kind of summary of the six months. We can go into a bit more detail as the conversation goes on, but that is it. It's it's going well. Yeah, interesting. Um, so Greece, I spent, uh, August of last year in Athens, uh, but Turkey, I'm not, so I, or I've only been in Turkey to go through Istanbul airport twice. That's my only knowledge of what Turkey is actually like. Um, do you know much about the sort of, you know, Ottoman empire and the history you you said there that you find then the, uh, the history of Greece interesting. How much do you know about that sort of stuff? Uh, well, part of the reason I enjoy the traveling bit is because I do really enjoy the history side of stuff as well. So, obviously, I work on the road, which is good, but obviously, in my free time, I like to go explore and, like I said, the host- the history of the places. Like, um, the I actually think I preferred Greece to Turkey. Turkey was right. very good, but obviously, um, it's such a vast, vast country, and like you said, because it has changed sides so many times, that there's actually quite a lot of culture there. So that was that was really interesting. And obviously, you've got the mosques, the call to prayer every morning. That was good. Istanbul is actually um, quite a beautiful city because it's still it's split into Asia and Europe. So mm. there's like two sides of the city, which is interesting. Um, and yeah, then obviously like went to the underground cities. If you've seen them yeah. on uh, the Netflix thing, that was really interesting. So yeah, that's what I like to. On my travels, isn't just all about beaches and sitting in the sun. I like to kind of keep my mind active and look at interesting things on the way. Yeah, yeah. And and I stand, Bill. The way it's sort of, uh, like you say, split from. Uh, you know, it's like the connector between Asia and Europe. Do you see any, apart from physically, of course, uh, geographically, do you see any difference uh, sort of culturally 
culturally rather on the two sides like does it feel like one side is a different place to the other side if that makes sense um i would say in general turkey the further east you go the more the culture changes yeah and the more kind of uh traditional it is i'd say and it was like amazing going around all the places and seeing all the old turkish like carpets and stuff Mm. Um, and the people were honestly some of the nicest people I've met in the world. They're just so like they'd want to look after you and help you out as much as possible. They'd invite you into their houses for tea and show you around and stuff. So that was really nice. So I did enjoy the like the people of Turkey and the food was a lot better than Greek food. I have mm. to admit. Nice, yeah, so. yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, it seems like. No matter where you are, the more traditional, uh, the more traditional parts of the country or wherever you are, it seems that that's the more welcoming and hospitable side, um, of of wherever you are. Uh, so what made you go to Italy at the moment? Uh, so I eventually need to go back to the UK at some point. Obviously, traveling on the road, being a British citizen and the Schengen area and leaving the Brexit, you're only allowed three months in Europe, but then you have to have three months out and then three months back in. So right. uh, Turkey was my three months out and now I've reset and I'm back across. Um, and I'm slowly heading up Italy because I haven't seen much of it yet and because obviously I'm away so much uh, rather than going back to the UK uh, my parents are actually going to come and see me at the start of June in Venice which is nice, nice. so I'm going to spend a, some slow time going up Italy, spending the next month doing that, uh, again seeing some of the culture um, I don't think I'll do Rome in the van as it's a very busy city but I have seen it before now was beautiful but I'm looking forward to going and seeing the bits that you can't really like you wouldn't really go to if you're on like a holiday like yeah uh, this is why I think I enjoy traveling this way because um well especially in Cappadocia which is in Turkey which is very famous for the hot air balloons um if you're a tourist you would literally be in your hotel which is nowhere near like the uh landing site or the takeoff area, you'll get a minibus there, get on a hot air and go up, come down, and then go back to your hotel. Where, like I was, I was parked right on the edge of like, the cliff edge and then opened my doors from my van in the morning to see all the hot air balloons go up. Yeah. So that's the kind of epic experiences you get by living and travelling in the van, that you're a lot more closer to the things you want to see, I'd say, and get a lot more access. And like you said, obviously get more immersed into the culture of places and the people because it isn't just like a resort holiday you're really living in these places for that x amount of time of course yeah it's a it's a very very interesting way to live and i'm thinking it must have been a big a big change going from living in a house in scotland to traveling in a van through europe how how did that feel like what or sorry what made you want to do that what made you sort of uh choose that as your lifestyle uh i'll give you all of it 
Uh, I'll give you the nitty gritty and some stuff that is a bit close to home as well. Um, So, obviously, before I was coaching, I was an electrician, which is good. Like I was told, if you get a trade, you've got a job for life. And I think there's some sound advice that I would agree with that whenever I've I've gone off and done other things, I know I've always got that to fall back on. And it is a well-paying job and it is always in demand. So that was honestly amazing. Uh, During COVID, obviously, a lot of people lost their jobs. Being an electrician, I couldn't go on to site anymore. Um, So I was at home quite a lot. Obviously, I had a house in Scotland with my wife and was doing a lot of gardening and stuff and enjoyed the outdoors. And then just started doing a lot of reading and kind of concentrating on stuff that I wanted to be interested in because when you're um in a nine to five it's such a routine and repetitive like system the fact you don't actually you can do it but i don't think you really have the time to when you it is just about obviously blocking your time but after you finish work the last thing you want to do is start doing some sort of self-educating stuff and listening to podcasts or reading books and you're knackered by the end of the day you might go to the gym or something or you might just make dinner and then sit yourself down in front of netflix so it's quite hard to kind of do that in that time and then obviously you only get the two days at the weekend and then you try and make the most of it and have all the fun in them two days and back to work on the monday and it is very repetitive and i think with the covid having that time off to actually kind of rethink of all right so what do i actually want to do um, how do I want to live my life, etc. I think this happened for a lot of people that it kind of changed their perspective of definitely how they thought of like things. So yeah, that's how I got into the coaching. I really I started reading a lot of books. Like obviously we've spoke about the books we've read before. Um, a lot was on like mindset, how the mind physically works. Uh, certain human behaviors why we do certain things and this is just like a general interest um then as that interest progressed i thought well how can i monetize this and my skills so hired a coach that would help me become a coach uh learn aspects on that learn how to market like my skills and create a course etc and then from there yeah it was quite successful done really well um really enjoyed it and then yeah this is where it kind of all took a bit of a turn uh was living very happily in scotland was married and then just obviously me and my wife just grew apart and that does happen in relationships and uh that was like the big change I come up to 30 years old, which is a milestone in itself. And then you question the last 10 years of your life between 20 to 30 mm. and think, oh, what have I done uh, in that 10 years? What can I do in these next 10 years? And yeah, then I was just like, well, what do I want to really do with myself now? Um, and I've always wanted to do traveling, but didn't really want to do the backpack thing. I thought I'm 30 years old. I don't really want to yeah. like. I, I find it. I need to find a decent pillow to have a good night's sleep as it is now these days. 
So I didn't want to start like sleeping on the floor of hostels and that. Plus, obviously, I had Daisy, which is my black lab with me. Um, so, yeah, moved into my car, which was like an old Land Rover Discovery. Uh, moved into my car at first uh, in the Lake District on just an airbed. Uh, went back to work as an electrician because, obviously, uh, quite difficult to host Zoom calls on a laptop in the back of your car. Of Plus, obviously... Uh, selling the house i didn't know if i wanted to get another house and a mortgage and if you want to do that you need two years worth of books being self-employed right so it's easier to go yeah so these are the kind of things that you need to think about um if you want to get a mortgage and you're employed it's a lot easier than being self-employed because you need a lot more kind of backing yeah. and stuff yeah so that's why i went back and employed as an electrician and come to the realization as you do that i left this behind once like i said at the start it's good to have that i could always fall back on yeah but still being the same mindset of i don't want to do this for the rest of my life and if i'm going to do this massive change how can i maintain this new life i want to live uh and then that's where i kind of stumbled across like van life and people living in a van which is the same as living in a house but just a tinier version and having the freedom to go out and travel so started that in the july and picked up my coaching again uh which at the start was a bit difficult because obviously it does like knock your confidence when you're trying to get back into anything but did really, yeah, after I think you first, after I think you land your first client again, after coming back into it, that confidence comes back and then it's quite easy to kind of move forward with it again. And then, yeah, from there, I started my travels through Europe working on the road and it's been probably one of the best things I've ever done. And it's such a great opportunity to be able to, live the dream in a lot of people's kind of words totally yeah no it's it's awesome um how did you sort of manage or sort of work between the traveling and doing what you're doing there but also the running the coaching as well uh i think it is a lot about trying to find that balance because it is very exciting you're in exciting places and sometimes you kind of you push the coaching bit to one side because because you're your own boss and no one's breathing down your neck you don't need to turn up at 9am and work but then if you don't turn up and you don't put in the effort you're not going to get paid because obviously you're not doing or providing your services so i think at the start it was quite difficult to uh, try and find that balance especially like I've like when I was in Ireland I got into surfing and that was like a cool new hobby and mm. obviously that's all very reliant on how the con- weather conditions are and if the conditions are good you literally just drop all your work stuff and you're out and uh, I think the learning to understand that this is a business and it is my living. And if I want to continue this way, I need to make it more of a priority and balance it with my traveling was quite important for me, I think. And yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that's something that 
you know, a lot of people don't think about when they're, you know, employed and, and they think about if they're having their own business or or whatever it may be, you know, the luxury of being able to work when you want, where you want. But I think oftentimes they forget the self-discipline needed to work yeah. when there's no one telling you to, if that makes sense. And that's that's yeah. its own challenge, even when you're, you know, living the dream, as, as many people would call it. Uh, have you found that tough to sort of, keep you know keep motivation to keep uh doing what you're doing and, and keep doing the sort of uh the not fun side of running a business when you could be out just every day you know having doing whatever you want you know in the warmest countries in europe uh like you said that self-discipline i think is super important i think you really need to if you it's with anything Anything you want requires discipline. If you want to obviously lose weight and get a better body, it requires discipline in dieting and going to the gym. Do you know what I mean? If you want to build a business and have success, then it requires discipline. Um, so, yeah, it, it was quite hard to obviously get that discipline. But I think the longer my journey's gone on, it's not such a rush anymore. Like at the start of living in a van, I thought I was on psychologically put myself on this time frame that I need to see everything and would literally park up in one place for one night and then in the morning move to another place and then move to another place and wow. try and see as many, yeah, just try and see as many things as possible. And then I think when you slow down a bit and you go, I'm in no rush, like obviously this is now my life. I could take as much time as I need to in these places. Then I think that opens up the time that you can spend on the business. And obviously if you're not rushing around trying to see everything and you're slowed yourself down, then you freed up a lot of time to obviously put your time into your business as well. And then you can balance them very well rather than obviously if you're just travel, 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 then it is hard to try and work on a business at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And you, correct me if I'm wrong, but you sort of incorporate those habits and those beliefs and that sort of mindset into your sales coaching. Yeah, yeah. So the reason I think I separate myself slightly from other people that teach sales is I kind of dig a little bit deeper into the psychological side of how you sell and the triggers and the way to like kind of steer conversations in a certain way. Uh, I like uh, there's obviously body language is a big thing as well. I don't think many people pick up on that, but obviously making sure that you're open and approachable. And obviously I talk with my hands a lot anyway, but (laughs) that does help as well as uh, like the tone in your voice and stuff and the, going up and down i think a lot of this stuff gets missed by the sales gurus that tell you these strategies and methods that they're not really going deep enough into it and like you said the habits as well obviously we spoke about discipline already consistency is a massive thing if you're not to make it a habit it needs to be consistent to be good at anything you need to be consistent like if you look at any sports person they didn't wake up and become the best at it. They had to obviously be consistent. And then obviously with the more consistency, the more trial and like the more like even failure, I think it's really 
bad press that if you fail, it's such a bad thing. If you fail, all you need, all you do then is learn that that didn't work, and then you can try it again in a, a different way. And I think it is about collecting as many failures and the no's as well, especially in sales. Like uh, when you get told no, it can be quite like daunting and give your ego a bit of a hit as well when obviously someone says no but all that is will just teach you a better way to make sure it turns into a yes and it's a numbers it's well not a numbers game as such but it not everything's going to be a hundred percent closed rate so you are going to get a few no's but you need to understand obviously the difference between the no's and the yeses and sometimes the no's aren't always a solid no and yeah especially when it comes into like the sales and like the mindset bit of it, you might have had a conversation with someone and they said no, but the whole conversation and what you've said by obviously the, some of the methods that I teach my clients will leave a slight impact, but enough of an impact in that person that they will come back to you maybe in six months' time and go, okay, look, I better think about it now. I really want to sign up and learn more. And it is just then little things that I think that a lot of people don't understand yeah yeah what what would you say are some you know for anyone that's listening or watching that's involved in sales and uh in any respect what are some actionable tips that you could give them to even implement you know today or this week uh actionable tips uh i think what you need to realize when it comes to sales is um in order for it to work, they the person needs to have some sort of pain and then you need to get them away from that pain towards the pleasure. So obviously if they're if someone's struggling with something or they're not they haven't got enough money, then that is their pain. And you need to find the missing you need to dig deep and ask questions, which I don't think a lot of people do. Ask the questions, find out what their problem is, what they want to achieve, and really build you are the person that will help build the bridge in between so that is probably something i'd say is a really good one obviously there are more sales tips that i can give but it'll be more about um like how you perceive things and when you do offers um the correct wording and stuff like that to use and to give like some uh quite a good one is obviously this is just a thing that we humanly do anyway. Um, we love a discount, but we all yeah. know on Black Friday that it's exactly the same price as like any normal day of the week. They've just put it 75% off this week. But mm. Do you mean stuff like that? When you start understanding that kind of stuff and how the human mind works and reacts to them sort of discounts and offers, it's a lot easier for you to be able to do that in your line of work to understand this is how people work. If I offer it this much, but say it's reduced to this much, then obviously I'm going to get more people interested than if I said, this is the price. So stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. What did you think of $100 million offers by Alex Ramosi? Good. Really enjoyed it. I've actually listened to it twice. Mm. Uh, I liked it because... It talks about, obviously, a lot of it's about his career, 
and just not giving up and obviously the hard times we face. Um, to give to make the offer so good that they'll be silly to say no, I think it's an important bit. And to give like them bits that cover people's doubt, like obviously when he says about giving guarantees and stuff, a lot of people have when. We're per we're always buying and selling stuff. Even if you're just like um talking to someone, you're like selling yourself to them and then they're selling themselves to you and you're buying what they're saying and stuff like that. So um yeah, what he what he said there about obviously kind of covering them bits of doubt and kind of ticking all the boxes, I think was really good because that's again you're answering everyone all their objections so then they can't say no because they haven't got anything to say no about because you've literally ticked all the boxes for them so yeah i really enjoyed that book that's a really good book yeah i think the the only issue with uh with the book and it's uh certainly not the author's fault but so many you know in the sort of coaching market and the marketing market or industry it's almost like pretty much everyone's read that book now so everyone's using that book as, you know, a manual to actually make their offer, which mm-hmm. ironically kind of makes them all very similar. Uh, so I think it needs a round two for, for people to really stand out again after after everyone else has got the book. So on the note of uh, on sales coaching, what would you say are some some misconceptions? You said that uh, you think that there's a, a few myths that a lot of, you know, uh, sales trainers instill into people that aren't quite the case so what would you what would you say they are uh i think that sales has quite a bad stigma around it that it's almost looked as like being a bit dirty if people don't like it yeah (laughs) and people like people like i said people like i don't like being sold to well everything you've got has been sold to you the reason you have an iphone is because that was sold to you because obviously they uh like showed you its features and that kind of ticked the boxes that you wanted so i think the fact that people think sales is like this little dirty little thing that no one likes is quite bad uh like i spoke to you before some old sales techniques that may have worked in the past don't so much work now and i think that's because obviously people have a better understanding of how the mind works what i spoke to you about previously is that like the yes one i remember actually having a call with someone when i first started coaching and i was looking for a coach and uh they tried this method on me and knowing afterwards i think obviously i reacted exactly how it was meant so the thing is to get the person to say yes enough times that eventually whatever you say, they will say yes back to it because they've already said yes five times in a row. Yeah. And then I've, but the thing is that forces you into a corner and then you're only saying yes kind of out of, I feel like I have to. And then if you do accept the program and obviously the high ticket sale and you might, end up handing over some money because you never truly done it out like of where a good place is because you felt forced maybe a week into that course you can like they say for me then you're going to try and ask for your money back and get a refund and stuff yeah. like that so 
I realised, I remember when I was looking for a coach and on this call, like, they they tried directing me so hard into saying a yes that it felt awkward to reply yes. They're like, so yeah. did you feel like this, this and this, this and this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I did, but not really. So I think them sort of old strategies are kind of things that need to get left in the past. And I think the best way to honestly sell and do sales now is to actually really understand how people work and to kind of see what their needs are and then be the like I said the bridge in between and the solution yeah yeah because that that yes sort of technique that you're talking about it sounds purely theoretical and it sounds like if you applied it it would be very yeah uncomfortable and sort of forced and very obvious yeah. as well i think if people were if someone was if, if i was speaking to a salesman and he was purposefully asking me questions that he knows i'm gonna say yes to you would pick up on it surely you would think like yeah. this is definitely some sort of uh you know sales tactic um what i found interesting that you were saying is how a lot of people you know find sales um, a bit sort of, you know, a bit dirty, a bit slimy, something they don't really want to do. And I think that gives a lot of people um, way less confidence in what they're doing because no one wants to do something that they feel is a little bit wrong, you know? So what do you think is a way to to get around that, a way to uh, think that selling is a, is more of a positive thing to do? Uh, just understand you're both human at the end of the day and talk to the other person like that and obviously tap into their emotions like obviously good sales techniques is like I've said find them problems tap into them emotions and then you'll be able to get the result but just yeah just not in their weird creepy ways that like I think the old car salesman kind of persona used to do that is all like quick talking and pulling the wall over your eyes and before you know it you've kind of got something you didn't know you wanted because you just kind of been baffled into it yeah so. yeah do you uh do you sort of look up to or listen to uh any of the kind of sales gurus you know like your jordan belfort types uh i'd listen to the diary of a ceo with Stephen Bartlett, All right, I find, yeah. yeah, I find his guests very interesting. A few people said they had, they're not fond of him, but I like his interview yeah. process because he asks a question, and then that person's answer will be twenty minutes long, and they'll just, they'll just he's just literally just taking all the information out of it, and I find that a lot better than how some other podcasts are like kind of structured. Like, what's your opinion on? Stephen Bartlett and that podcast. Yeah, funny, funny you ask. I've only watched or listened to one Stephen Bartlett uh, podcast interview the whole way through, and it was the the Alex Ramosi one purely because I really like Alex Ramosi's stuff. Um, yeah, and then I've just I've only seen you know little clips from other ones. Uh, you know, like the Gary V one, the Simon Sinek one is is really famous and then maybe one or two others as well but i i think my only sort of beef with with uh stephen bartlett is it does seem like he sort of he purposefully tries to get 
like a, a really sort of emotional reaction from people uh, because that's what's going to yeah. do better for views, you know? Uh, like I remember seeing a clip of the, the Gary V one and, and Gary V's crying on it. And I'm thinking, you know, what did you do to make this guy cry? <laughs> you know, yeah. like that, that would be my only, my only questioning of it. Um, and I, I think I heard something about how his the the social media marketing company had the the six hundred million dollar valuation of it or something was like totally bogus or he left the company yeah. like before that point or or something like that but I I really I couldn't say enough um you know I, I don't know enough about him to kind of yeah uh, form like a a, a genuine uh, opinion on him what do you think about him. Uh, like I said, I think it's more the guests he brings to be seen and heard. I think I appreciate more. Like you said, the big names. He's had Gary V on there. True. Very Alex, true. Alex. He's had Richard Branson on there. Mm. Um, then obviously there's some people, people that just obviously actors and actresses, which are fine, but obviously not really the kind of yeah uh, what I'm after to get from, but. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. I'm trying to think of other books, podcasts, or people I, I really enjoy. Obviously, like like just mentioned Richard Branson, I think as a kid, like when I was like 14, 15, and getting into like entrepreneurship as such, mm-hmm. like I was the kid at school that used to sell chocolate bars. Like that was me, yeah. like obviously. <laughs> um, I think that's always, he's always been good. But I, I don't know, like I was, uh, I don't think it's luck, but I do think, like, well, it, it in this day and age, it should be the easiest to become an entrepreneur because literally anyone can do it. Yeah. Like you can learn anything online, and then you can find people online. Like you're not doing door to door stuff anymore. Like it is quite an easy space to actually be an entrepreneur now i'd say if you wanted to but i think like um a lot of people kind the only problem with the flip side of that is a lot of people end up thinking that it's an easy thing to get into and you become a millionaire overnight and some people even sell that as a thing like there are people out there that I think, again, this is why sales gets a bad name. Yeah. Oh, follow these six steps, and by next week, you could be a multi-millionaire and be living in Dubai with me. And you're just like, oh, that, that's amazing. And it, none of that's really going to happen, is it? Yeah. And But, yeah, I think, obviously, yeah, there's so many opportunities these days. And like you said, the whole COVID thing gave everyone, like, a kind of new, like, spin of life like they yeah. can kind of, a bit of a reset. What they want to do. A bit of a reset for a long yeah. time. So I think yeah if you if you everything's a choice. This is another thing with the mindset thing. Everything is actually a choice. And I think some people kind of get caught up in the especially when you're living paycheck to paycheck, it is hard to kind of get out of that cycle and mm. start doing something you want to do. Because if you stop then next week your mortgage ain't getting paid, there won't be any food on the table and you're not going to be in a very good position. So I think everyone's kind of like dreams and ambitions always get pushed down because of that kind of 
paycheck to paycheck thing. But if you really wanted to, like I said, obviously, I struggled with it. But if you wanted to learn another skill, you can just allot one hour a day. Do you know what I mean? Just one hour a day. I don't want to say, yeah. oh, this will be another tangent I'll go on in a minute. But obviously, if you just do one hour a day over a year, that's going to add up. Uh, I think this is the tangent I was going to go on. The whole hustle culture thing, I think, is quite bad. Yeah. The... Yeah. Now, what do you think of it? And then I'll tell you what I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. There's just the issues that there's so much stuff out there you know there's so much like um advice and stuff and you know we are sort of uh you know part of the problem in many ways with with putting content out there that's obviously going to be different to others and and it makes uh it makes it very hard to you know pick what you believe in and pick what you think's right because so often you you hear you know different people that of course are successful and and you, you you like parts of where they are, but they're saying different things. Um, and I think one of those things is that, you know, uh, hard work equals success. And the more hours you do, the more chance you have of becoming successful. And of course, that's true in many ways, but it gets to a point where it's unhealthy and gets to a point where yeah. each hour you work is way less productive overall than if you actually worked less hours. So I, th- I think probably for everyone, it's it's finding their own balance because I think for everyone, it's a bit different. You know, you have those types of people that can work sustainably for, you know, 14 hours a day. Uh, but realistically, for most people, if they actually want to be as effective as possible, you know, their right amount of work is far less than that. And I think oftentimes you just need to try, try the different um the different balances of when you're working how much you're working what you're working on until you find something that you realize you're actually comfortable with and the way that you're not neglecting yourself you're not um neglecting your your body or your mind but you're also still getting a lot of great work done um so i think it is something that's different for everyone but you're right there's there is a kind of um sometimes an over the top uh instruction almost placed on people to to work harder when you're right very often it's not the right the right way to go to to make their situation better or to make their business bigger or whatever their goal is yeah i agree with you on that one like i hate the you need to wake up at 5 a.m yeah. and then if you need to do this and this every, like you said everyone is different and obviously like talking about the mind and stuff Humans are split into three different state patterns. We all are. Right. Some people are early risers. Some people are uh, night owls. The reason for this is, is obviously back in the day when we were tribes and hunter-gatherers, obviously the ones that would go to sleep like later and then once wake up early, it means there's only a small window in between where obviously you're unprotected. Mm. Rather than if everyone slept at the same time, then obviously there's eight hours where... So that that's the psychological thing behind that. You could take that tip with you, but that's yeah. The thing I, I've I've never heard that before, so that's really cool. Yeah. So that with the whole hustle, get up at this time, it isn't going to work for everyone. So mm. I think that, and obviously, I like. I think this is like the thing as well. Like I don't need to do eight hours of work a day because I'm not going to get. 
I, I, there will just be points where I'm sitting there, and I think people that have like office jobs, they may be scheduled to work eight hours, but if you actually really wanted to focus and get stuff done, you do that in a lot shorter time, be productive in that time, and get it done rather than dragging it out. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I've that. always thought as well because it doesn't. I mean, even when I was when I was younger, and I used to watch the the US office on TV. And I would think it doesn't make sense. Like it, you're gonna have different amounts, you know, to do each day. So to to start at nine uh, and end at five, kind of every day. Like for a lot of jobs, it's clearly not the best way to do it. But obviously, there's the aspect of the management of it. You know, uh, be very yeah. complicated if people are coming in at all sorts of different times. But but yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, did you say maybe I misheard you? But did you say there's three different types of person when it comes to sleeping or did you say two types three but three. obviously the main two are the ones either side of obviously that's the the sleeping late and the waking up early is to make sure that the tribe at the time could obviously there's only a small window that um they would like be exposed to such so that is i think that's important as well people like underestimate sleep and yeah. You don't need to fit a schedule that's been put out by someone else. That I'm very productive in the morning. I like to get all my stuff done in the morning, which helps me because obviously if I want to do anything and explore for the rest of the day, I've kind of freed up most of my day and yeah. then I'll do some more work in the afternoon. Uh, other people might be completely different, like to do all the fun stuff first and then they might end up doing the work late at night because they don't go to sleep till. 11 12 so yeah. yeah what's the what's the other what's the third sleeping routine that some people have that's less common uh it's just the one in the middle all oh, right it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the it's the two either sides of the ones that the the to concentrate on mm. to think about yeah the the thing that i've sort of uh, i don't i don't want to say struggled with but it's an easy sort of trap to fall into is because I I think I work best with a um you know with a, some sort of daily routine you know I sort of have a consistent yeah. go to bed and wake up time you know I know what I do each morning so right now I go to the gym each morning and it's great because um it's a very sort of positive you know outlet of energy um and I think it just sort of boosts your mood for the whole day that kind of thing um but you know what I used to do is if I had a lot to work on, I would, you know, get to say midnight or something. Because generally, you know, I, I work later in the day. I think we're kind of opposites there. Um, and then it would get to midnight and I would still have more stuff to do. And I could do it tomorrow or the day after or whenever, really. But I would feel like, well, I should just get it done now, you know, because then it'll be done and then I don't need to worry about it. But then you would work into like one or two or three in the morning and then you mess up your whole routine. So I think for me, there was a bit of a, like I had to shift the way I work to actually like force myself to go to a sleep, to go to sleep, you know, kind of before yeah. when I would actually want to go to sleep. Because when you, or for me, when I got into that pattern, you know, you would go to sleep later and then wake up later. Then after, you know, a certain point of time, like your sleep schedule, you know, you're going to bed um like in the middle of the day and then waking up in the middle of the yeah. night because you, you know for me at least because i wasn't 
tracking sort of when I was going to sleep and just sort of going more with the flow of it. But probably for a lot of people, that's the better way to go. Um, and when you're saying yeah. about, you know, the kind of the hustle culture and and different different bits of advice online, that's the thing about it is it's very not vague, but it's very generalized. It's not specific to who's listening to it or who's reading it, you know? And I think that's why a lot of people, uh, it doesn't work for them because it's so general and their, what works for them is going to be so different more than likely. Do yeah. you think that's where there's I, a lot of value in having a coach because then it's specific to you? Yeah, this is where I was literally going to go with that. Like, I think it is valuable having a coach because they've already walked the path that you probably want to do. What their views has worked, so follow that rather than... There's there's arguments to everything. Do you know what I mean? Like, is it better to be vegan? Is it better to eat meat? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's just a very easy one to kind of say. And they both have very good points. But it's whatever your goal is that you want to be is the person you should kind of follow. And when it comes to obviously coaching and stuff if you see someone doing this and that's a lifestyle or an, a monetary amount that you want to get to then it will be best to follow that person and their techniques rather than overloading yourself with information have controversial techniques and methods and then not getting anywhere with any of it because obviously it's all just a bit overwhelming and as well everything like it is good to have a coach because you could go on YouTube and learn everything you need to know pretty much on any subject. But again, there'll be so many different, this is the best way to do this. This is the best way to do that. Like I've started getting into photography as well. And there's so many different methods you could do stuff. And so many people recommend that you do this, this and this and this. And someone recommends this, this and this and this. But I think it's just finding your own personal like finding having a path and a guide, but then finding your own personal one as well with it, like parallel to it, rather than just going rogue. So you can either go rogue and not get anywhere, or listen to everyone and still not get anywhere. So yeah, I think that's the best way: find a path, find someone that's doing something similar, and then have one parallel to theirs. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you were saying about how. You know, you were going back to back in human history to the tribes and how yeah. that sort of impacted our sleep schedules. And obviously, one thing I always think about is how society, you know, moves a thousand times faster than evolution. I don't know. Is that something you kind of, uh, you know, with all the books you've read and and the learnings, um, or the te- teachings you've had, you know, is that something you've gone into quite a lot? Sort of how things of, uh, you know, how how similar we are to the way we were thousands of years ago minus societal changes yeah uh and well uh there's a very good book called sapiens right uh, which obviously starts at the very start of human history to now and it obviously talks about human connections as well and we should only technically be in small tribes of only up to like a hundred and a very close knit but because, well, especially now, uh, we're so vast that it's hard to have them connections. And again, with the whole tribe thing, 
Uh, this is why I think people want to do certain things and are scared of doing something different because back in the tribal things, if you didn't go along with the tribe and you weren't part of the people, you would get outcasts. So people are afraid to kind of do their own thing because they don't want to be outcast. So sometimes people end up falling into the trap of going along what everyone else says should be done or the right thing. Or especially like if you want to say there's societal things to do, which I think is the get a degree, get a house, get married, have some kids, and then retire at sixty, then start traveling the world. If you kind of follow that method, it's the safe and best thing to do. If you can't divert off of that, the amount of backlash you can get, like obviously doing what I do now, people are like, so when you're going to settle down and go back mm-hmm. to the UK and get a house? I was like, well, yeah. I don't have to. Like, yeah, but you've got it. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to see how this turns out and kind of go with the flow. And like, I have, like I said, tick some of them big boxes that you expect to tick. And if anything, I feel like I ticked them all. Then I was like, oh, okay, this is it. Like, I bought the house, I got married, I had the car, I had the job. Yeah. And I was like, all right, so I've ticked them all now. Now what do I do? And then, yeah, I think having the flip side of both of them and then going, okay, there's a bit more to life than just that. And I think, well, keep going on this one. I think, obviously, uh happiness as well obviously I don't want to kind of like fluff it too much but I think a lot of people think that if you become an entrepreneur and you make loads of money that's going to be your happiness mm. when I can tell you now of like I've I've had money in fancy cars and big houses and I don't want to sound like oh it doesn't matter but I've had some amazing times in this van and seen some absolutely epic things do you know what I mean and I think yeah when you just start looking at them little things and just being grateful, then you don't need all the money in the world, but I can still do really fun stuff that costs money, but doesn't cost loads. And yeah, I think, well, keep going on again. Like obviously the whole back in the day, I used to like go out quite a lot, like obviously drinking culture, yeah. new clothes and stuff and you spend so much money on that thinking that's going to be the most fun and best time of your life when really it's good but there are other cool stuff you can do and I yeah. think that's where a lot of people kind of get caught up in you need to be a millionaire to be happy like, what do you think? Yeah no I would agree with you I mean I probably no matter for me, I think it's more the the kind of uh, the core natural things that give me the most. Uh, again, I don't want to say happiness, but you know, go with the word happiness. Uh, so like eating good food, getting a good sleep, you know, um, working out. Those like such basic things that whether you're poor middle class, rich, whatever it is, you're always going to be doing those things. And for me, I think they've always uh, been the things that I've kind of enjoyed the most, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, um, you know, or, or whatever's going on, they've kind of always been the things that I've, um, obviously you get, you know, 
when I went to the Bernabeu and watched Real Madrid uh, and watched, you know, Ronaldo score a hat-trick, stuff like that, fair enough, that's better than eating your breakfast. But, you know, generally, uh, it's it's the simple things like that that kind of um, I'm always or sort of forever grateful for and, and always kind of take a lot of joy in. Um, yeah, so I'm thinking you were saying how... Uh, with the new the new Brexit rules or something like that, um, you you can only be outside of or you can only be in Europe for three months and then you have to be back yeah. either in the UK or outside of Europe, uh, for three months. Uh, so you, were you saying that you're ap- approaching the end of the three months in Europe now and you'll need to go back to the UK at some point fairly soon? Uh, I have just started my three months again, so I have three right. months in Europe. Uh, something that I am looking into, which obviously I do suggest if you are someone else that wants to do traveling and stuff, with like a nomad visa for mm-hmm. certain countries. Uh, I'm trying ones in Greece and Portugal as the kind of um, requirements for them are a lot easier. Uh, you just need to prove that you have an income you are nomadic and you're not working for a company within that company in them countries. Yeah. And once I can get that, that will give me residency of them countries and I'll have free roam to be able to travel a lot easier. Um, so that's something I'm working towards. So hopefully that works out. So I'm fingers crossed. I've started the process in like them two countries and it's looking good at the moment, but that is a bit of a pain when it comes to the traveling and restrictions, but yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, but then on the other hand, because of the restrictions, like almost forced me to go to Turkey because I needed to be out of the EU. But I really enjoy Turkey, and it is very far to go in the van. Like yeah. obviously, I know Can when imagine. people. Yeah, get a six-hour flight. It doesn't seem that far, but I think it's like maybe five, six thousand kilometers or something. So it's quite a trek. Have you enjoyed that that sort of aspect to it? You know, because we've talked a lot about uh, working and seeing the seeing the sights and and stuff like that. Have you found that challenging? You know, spend so much time just driving. You know, presumably down the same roads that you've been driving down, you know, for the last couple of days or so. Have you sort of, um, have you enjoyed that or have you found that just criminally boring? Uh, I enjoy the long drives because then it gives me the opportunity to obviously listen to them podcasts mm, and okay. make calls to friend and family. So, Because I feel like if I need to make calls home or to friends and stuff, the best time to do it is in that hour two three hours while you're driving because it doesn't take any time from the rest of your day but yeah that's where i end up listening to most of my audio books and podcasts and i've just got a kindle as well which oh, nice. i was well against because i was like oh, i need a real book but obviously when you're in the van having real books takes up a lot of room but yes. i like to just have that so obviously when you do have them stopovers if you are trying to get somewhere you can still read, um, like I said, I love information. Um, there's actually a book called Surrounded by Idiots. Have you heard of it? Yes. I read the, yeah. 
the first the first few pages of it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. It's the four four personality types. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah, so that's one I found interesting. And I'm a blue, which is someone that is very methodical with thinking and likes a lot of information. And it's interesting to know, obviously, the different personality types and how different people act. Again, this has helped me in my life work, but even like on a social level as well, to understand how different people work is super important. And yeah, that's why I like my reading and listening to podcasts because I'm that kind of personality type according to this chart anyway. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a very, uh, I'm imagining it as being a very kind of peaceful way of life to be spending your days yeah. you know, traveling, just spending so much time um, you know, listening to podcasts or reading books or, you know, listening to audio books or whatever it may be, uh, plus doing your coaching, of course, um, plus seeing the sites of Europe. I'm wondering what are the the other, you know, bucket list countries or places that you would be planning to go to? Uh, I'll kind of answer half your question and then the rest of it. Um, regarding, like, obviously the travelling, Obviously, I am doing this solo. So to kind of meet people is good uh, and hard, but and especially with language barriers as well, um, yeah. can become a bit of a problem. I've, obviously, there are other people doing this lifestyle, so it's easy to find similar people. Um, the further east I went, the harder that was. Right. Obviously... Uh, yeah, being back in Italy, there's more English people around. In Greece, there was. In Turkey, I was probably the only English fan there for a while. Mm. And then, obviously, there was some Germans, French and Dutch. But, again, the language barrier thing. But then, on the other hand, I have had, uh, through this lifestyle and, obviously, meeting people on Instagram, uh, I was in a place in Greece and was messaging these Dutch people, ended up going like two hours up the road, meeting them, and then went rock climbing with them for the weekend, which is like one of them cool experiences that you couldn't really plan or want to happen. Like if you booked like a rock climbing experience, I'm sure it would have been pretty good, but to just do it with a random six other people you've never met before, uh, a, a bit of a language thing, obviously they speak very good English, and then to have just an awesome weekend and then separate again and probably not see each other again was kind of one of their really cool experiences. So I enjoy, I enjoyed that. And like I said, you end up, I've met other English people on the road as well. Um, but the further east was a lot harder. Other countries I'd like to travel. Uh, I think I would like to go similar to where, like your area, like the Asia Bali, Indonesia, um, yes. the Philippines and stuff. Obviously, I want to see how I could do that with Daisy because obviously mm -hmm. I really want to leave her at home. But I would like to go to the Canary Islands right. next wow. winter. Cool. So that's going to be a bit of a boat journey with this. But mm. I think it'll be really cool to spend like, well, hopefully I have my visa by then so I don't need to come back after three months. But even if I have three months, spending quarter of a year in a place like that and then i think it's going to be quite a cool experience yeah yeah 
Do you do you look much further into the future? Like you said, there, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people say, to, or some people say to you, you know, when are you coming back to normal life? Effectively, yeah. you know, do you think five, ten years in the future, or are you kind of uh, going with the flow of it and seeing what feels right for you, you know, in the moment? Uh, I think before. Uh, when I had a normal life, I was so kind of restrictive with my goals that in five years I must have this, in 10 years I must have this. Yeah. And because you're so driven to that one goal so much, um, you don't really get to see the rest of everything going on. And you don't really get to, like obviously I know they say enjoy the journey and I think obviously that does get kind of, because once you hit that five-year achievement, then you're like, okay, well, now I need to do something else because I've achieved that now. Yeah. And the five years you spent leading up to it, you can't really remember or it hasn't been that great because you've been so driven to that goal. So rather than being stuck with, I must do this, I kind of have a, this is where I'd like to be. Let's kind of work in that direction. Like, what about you? Yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, uh, doing doing a little bit of traveling last year, uh, like I say, the the thing that I struggled with was uh, effectively how lonely it was. You know, when I was in Athens for for August, uh, I didn't know anyone there. Um, And so I think if you're trying to build a network, if you're starting from one, you know, even if you know one person in the place you're in, it's so much easier to sort of, uh, you know, make more of a network, make more friends, etc. Than if you're, you know, starting totally from scratch. So, which is, you know, partially why I came to the Philippines. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, obviously, I think uh, you, I probably need to take some of your advice with the with the sort of goals. You know, for me, I'm, I'm I sort of get get into that. I wouldn't call it a trap, but you know, where you have set goals and, and set timings for the goals and then you know you work so hard to try and achieve those goals in the time that sometimes it can be you know detrimental and sort of counterproductive uh so i think you know what you've shared there uh is is hopefully very um beneficial to whoever's listening and it's also very beneficial to me as well so i appreciate you sort of talking through your experiences you know what you've learned what you've uh, done and what you what you sort of believe in now um, I think it's something that kind of a lot of people could could benefit from especially because it's a very you know a lot of what you're talking about is very different to the normal uh, especially with the lifestyle yeah. you lead uh, so I think anyone that listens to or watches this podcast uh, with this podcast will definitely walk away um, you know thinking about a lot of things that they never thought of before Good. I'm glad I helped you as well. Like, yeah. that, that's made me feel good that that's given you a bit of like kind of direction. But yeah, uh, it's enjoyable. Like you said, it is tough at times and it can be lonely. Nothing's forever. Like obviously if you do have a few months where it is a bit by yourself, but you're working towards something, then that's, that's okay. I think becoming an absolute hermit and trying to achieve your goal probably isn't yeah. healthy like you it's important to have human connection as well even if it is just like this so. true true well uh thanks for coming on Philip. it was great to speak to you again and uh i'm sure we'll speak soon
Lovely. Cheers, man. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Take care. Speak soon. Bye.